You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. grace out upon us and his grace is sufficient so when we call upon the Lord we need to call upon him in faith true faith lasting faith believing that he can believing that he will he's an ever-present help in time of trouble and we need to rely on that but we need to have a deep faith but what I want to point out is he takes even the weakest faith and he answers it. he sees the weak faith and I'll answer it It's amazing to think that our great and powerful God loves us, sinners, broken and selfish people. He is so good, so loving, always there for us. When we need Him, He's there. Today in His message, Pastor Dave reminds us that through highs and lows, God is always there, listening, waiting, loving. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Kings chapter 13, as he continues his message, A Tale of Two Faiths. Anytime someone from Israel calls upon God, God is quick to answer, and he sends a deliverer. He sends a deliverer. Look at 5 and 6. Then the Lord gave Israel a deliverer, so that they escaped from under the hand of the Syrians, and the children of Israel dwelt in their tents as before. Nevertheless, they did not depart from the sins of the house of Jeroboam, who had made Israel sin, but walked in them, and the wooden image also remained in Samaria. It boggles my mind. It really does. The Lord sends in an unknown deliverer. We do not know who this deliverer is. Israel is set free from the hands of the Syrians, and then they go right back to their wicked ways. Right back. Does this remind you of anything that we've already studied in the Bible? The whole book of Judges. The entire book of Judges. Remember when we went through the entire book of Judges? He did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the people cried out, and the Lord sent a deliverer, sent a judge in. The whole entire book was nothing like this. It was a ping pong ball. Back and forth, back and forth. And here you see it right here. Here you see it. Once again, they're out of God's will. Once again, they're serving these images, these idols. It's directly against God's law. How merciful is he? How long-suffering is he? My gosh, you just have to look at the United States and say, God's pretty long-suffering. God's pretty long-suffering with us. It's amazing. It's amazing. So he answers the prayer. Look at 7 through 9. For he left of the army of Jehoaz 50 horsemen, 10 chariots, and 10,000 foot soldiers, for the king of Syria had destroyed them and made them like dust at threshing. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoaz are they all he did and his might? Are they not written in the book of Chronicles for the kings of Israel? So Jehoiaz rested with his fathers, and they buried him in Samaria. Then Joash, his son, reigned in his place. And we have another Joash. Not the Joash we studied last week from Judah, but a different Joash. 
Though God answered their prayer and sent a deliverer, Israel continued in their false worship of a different God. The kingdom's at peace. They were free of oppression, but they never returned to serving the Lord. How, how heartbreaking is that? How heartbreaking is that? I have seen people get saved, be free, set free, and return to their vomit. It's heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking to see them have to go through that. It's heartbreaking. Even after the Lord had did mighty works in their lives and showed them mighty things. So what is a crisis faith? A crisis faith is not a deep faith. It's not a lasting faith. Once the problem is solved and taken away, people's faith wanes. The crisis faith wanes. And we return to our old ways. It's not a permanent strong faith. God promised the children of Israel that if they would trust him and obey his word, all their enemies would flee before him. Go back and read all through the history of the nation. If they would serve him, trust him, and believe in him and obey him, they would have no enemies. There would be nothing that could be able to stand against them. But they didn't. Christ's faith is undependable. How many promises have we made to God when we're in trouble? We make a promise to God, and then we seem to forget the promise when it's over. I always talk, I love the movie The End with Burt Reynolds, a really dark movie. Anyhow, he has terminal cancer, and he tries the entire movie to kill himself, and Dom DeLuise, of all people, is his psychiatrist. Think that, go find that out, right? And he ends up, he decides he's going to kill himself, and he jumps into the ocean, and he swims out as far as he can go, wanting to kill himself. And he gets way, way out, and you can see land. And all of a sudden, he goes, Lord, Lord, I want to live. I want to live. And he starts swimming back. And he says, Lord, I'll give you 100% of all my earnings, 100%. And he gets closer to the shore. Lord, I'll give you 75% of my earnings, oh, 75%. He gets closer. Lord, I'll give you 50. I'll give you 50. Well, you get the drift. That's what we do. We're in a crisis and we're praying to God, oh, Lord, Lord, get me out of this and I'll, I'll go to church every single Sunday. I'll be there every Monday. I'll be there every Wednesday. I'll be in everything. The Lord gets you out of it and you, well, all of a sudden you're there for one or two weeks. Uh, I'm going to go tonight. Come on. And you start waning. And it happens a lot. It happens a lot. We make these huge promises to the Lord. Lord, help me with this instance and I'll do this. Got to be careful with your vows to the Lord. You make a vow to the Lord, he expects you to keep it. He expects you to do your part. Well, Israel didn't. That's what Christ's faith does. Christ's faith cries out to the Lord. Now, you're in trouble, you should be crying to the Lord. First and foremost. You get in a hot spot, cry out to the Lord. We should be crying. We're his sons and daughters. We should be crying out to Abba, Father, help me. Greatest prayer in the entire world. Lord, help me. He'll hear that prayer and he'll help you out. But when you start making promises, be careful. Be careful with the promises you make because you're going to be expected to keep those things. Never discourage you from anyone crying out to the Lord in trouble. You've heard of there are no atheists in foxholes. But depending upon a crisis, faith is dangerous. It is very, very dangerous. In fact, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 1, verse 24, it says, Because I have called and you refused, I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded. 
Because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my, of my rebuke, I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock you when terror comes, when your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call on me and I won't answer. They will seek me diligently, but they won't find me because they hated my knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Now, that's kind of harsh. But our God loves us. And he pours his grace out upon us. And his grace is sufficient. So when we call upon the Lord, we need to call upon him in faith, true faith, lasting faith, believing that he can, believing that he will. He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. And we need to rely on that. But we need to have a deep faith. But what I want to point out is he takes even the weakest faith and he answers it. He sees the weak faith and he'll answer it. But be careful with your promises. Be careful with your promises. So as we get to verse 10 now, there's a new king in town. There's a new king in the northern kingdom of Israel. Let's read verses 10 through 13. In the 37th year of Joash, the king of Judah. Now remember, there's a Joash in Judah. Jehoash, the son of Jehoahaz, became king over Israel and Samaria, and he reigned 16 years. And did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, who made Israel sin, but walked in them. Now the rest of the acts of Joash are that all he did, and his might, which he fought against the Amaziah, the king of Judah, are they not written for the book of Chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Joash rested with his fathers, and Jeroboam sat on his throne, and Joash was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel. So don't have a lot to say about this Joash in a minute. We'll get to him. First of all, Joash, just like Jehoiahaz, just like all the kings before him, are following the wrong example. You know, you can be an example to somebody. Either you're a good example or you're a bad example. You can be an example to somebody. It's my prayer that we would follow good examples. Good examples. And we see these things all over the place. You have people who are in sports who say, I'm not a role model. Yes, you are. If you're on TV and you're doing so, you're a role model. And people are going to emulate what you do. We need to, we're Christians. We've been saved by the grace of God. We've been saved through faith. And we're, we need to be role models for people, showing them what is right. But he's following after what is wrong. He's not following after the right example, just like his father. He followed the, the sins of Jeroboam, which means he worshiped idols. He too turned to the Lord only in times of trouble and when time was running out. So they don't say a lot about him. And this is what happens in the rest of the book of Kings. We have little snippets of this king did this and this king did that. So as we come to verse 14, it's time to us to say goodbye to a dear friend. Time to us to say goodbye to a true man of God. A man who did more miracles than his predecessor. A man who was highly regarded by God. A prophet of the Most High God one who was hated by the kings of Israel because he always would come up and say things against them. But they loved him too. See, it was a double-edged sword. They knew he was true, and they knew they could count on him, but they didn't like what he said. Remember the one scripture we read where he says, don't call on this guy. He always says bad things about me. You know? Well, if you were following the Lord, they wouldn't say bad things about you. So we say goodbye to an old friend as we look at verse 14. Elisha. 
Elisha had become sick with illness of which he would die. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. Now, you might be scratching your head saying, wait a minute. Didn't we just read in verses 10 through 13 that Joash died? Yes, we did. What did I say about the chronological order of 2 Kings? It bounces all over the place, doesn't it? Now we're going to go back before Joash's death, and we're going to look at this picture here. He takes us back. And this is called in the Bible a parenthetical thought. It's an add-on about what had happened previously. We saw that in a couple of the scriptures we read in John, where John would have a parenthetical thought. Like when Jesus said, whoever thirsts of me out of his belly will flow rivers of living water after he drinks. And John said he spoke about the Holy Spirit. That's a parenthetical thought. It was added after the fact. It was added after it happened. So we haven't heard from Elisha in 40 years. Been about 40 years since Elisha's been on the scene. He was sick and he was about to die. The king of Israel goes and sees him, which is a nice, nice thing. But there's an interesting scene here. Elisha, worker of miracles, prophet of God, used by God mightily, even raising the dead, is now on his deathbed. Here is a man of immense power. Here is a man of fervent faith. And now he is dying because of a sickness. Sickness is not always the result of sin. Nor is his illness a lack of faith. It was this sickness that God used to usher Elisha into eternity. God uses all things for his purpose. He uses all things for his purpose. Elijah was fallen sick and the sickness wherein he died. It doesn't mean that God didn't love him. It doesn't mean that God is opposed to him. It doesn't mean that he did anything wrong and God was punishing him because he got sick. It isn't a sign of a second-class spiritual development in Elijah's part. Some of the best people of God's children get sick. Some of the best people of God's children get sick and they pass away. It's tragic when we lay on top of that, well, you must have sinned. You must have done something wrong. How You wouldn't be sick if that wouldn't happen. There must be a secret sin in your life. You need to repent of that sin, pal. Sometimes people get sick. If you don't understand all that, I suggest you read one book. Job. Read Job. Read the book of Job. And find out. All that happened to Job and his three buddies. His three pals. I don't need pals like that. Let me tell you something. <laughs> oh, if you would just confess your sin, you'd be okay. Scripture tells us Job was sinless. Job was a righteous man. But that's for another time. Joash now has faith in God, but his faith is what we call an ignorant faith. What does ignorant mean? Without knowledge. You know, if you're a young person in this day and age, everything is ignorant. I remember when I first started working at Wildwood High School, and you would say something, the first thing you'd say is, oh, that's ignorant. I went, what? It was, it was a comeback because everything was ignorant at that time. 
But it was an ignorant faith. Listen to what the Gusick says about this. It's important to remember that Joash was not a worshiper of false gods. He was a false worshiper of the true God. You see the difference? He wasn't a worshiper of false gods. He was a false worshiper of the true God. There's a big difference there. He had some respect for the true God, so he goes and he honors and gives regard to Elisha, unquote. This was a wise decision on his part to go see the prophet. It was very wise on his part, as we'll see. Notice how Joash addresses Elisha. Anybody see anything familiar about the way he addresses Elisha in verse 14? Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. Turn to 2 Kings 2.12. Turn to 2 Kings 2.12. Elisha, Elijah is about ready to be taken up into heaven. And what does Elisha cry out? My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. It's pretty interesting now that Joash is crying out the exact same thing that Elisha cried out when Elijah was taken up into heaven. I find that extremely interesting because he recognizes that Elisha right now was the strength of Israel. And he recognizes that it wasn't Elisha's strength, but it was God's strength coming through Elisha. He knew that the strength of Israel was really and truly the presence of God. And it was present in the prophet. Now Joash sees the same strength slipping from the earth. And he mourns it. Oh, my father, my father. This is the greatest respect that he has ever shown Elisha. This is the greatest respect that he's ever shown God. But being the prophet that Elisha is... He knows what's going on. He knows what's troubling Joash. He knows what's troubling Joash. With the, he knows that it's the Syrians. And we see him using what little strength he has to help the king. It's really interesting. Once again, we see God's infinite mercy and grace where he, God now is using Elisha to help this compromising king. Remember, what did I just read? He did evil in the sight of the Lord. There's nothing good in him, but God sees him because of the covenant he made, and he wants to help him out. So he's using, you should really read into this, how our relationship with God is, and how he helps us out constantly. We're his children, and he loves to help us out. God had promised he would deliver his people, and God would always keep his promise. He was always faithful, and he's always true. But Elisha was trying to get Joash to exercise his faith. He was trying to get Joash to exercise his faith, as ignorant as it was. But he was trying to get them to exercise an intelligent faith. Unfortunately, Joash didn't have it. Joash didn't have it. Let's read 15 through 19. And Elisha said to him, take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it, and Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, open the east window. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. Great prophecy here. Then he said, take the arrows. So he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck the ground three times and stopped. 
The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five times or six times. Then you have struck Syria until you have destroyed them. But now you will strike Syria only three times. Interesting stuff. Joaz was concerned that the true strength of Israel was about to depart from the world. Joaz needed his guidance. He was actually seeking. And this is a good thing. This is really a good thing on Joaz's part. He's showing great promise. He, sh- he is showing good faith. He's showing good faith by going to Elisha and asking and, and asking for help. This was good. Remember, some of the other kings didn't want any part of Elisha. And they would go into battle without Elisha and it cost them dearly. Elisha knew where the true strength of Israel was. It was with God. We should remember where our true strength lie with God through Jesus Christ. We could all do all things through Christ who strengthens us. He is our strength. When we are weak, he is strong. He is more powerful. When we humble ourselves, he is strong. He is our strength. We need to look at him for that. So Elisha uses this illustration of the arrow shot from the window to show Joash that the arrow of the Lord's deliverance was still present. Even though he was dying, the Lord was still going to work in Israel. Just because Elisha, a man of God, dies doesn't mean that the Lord was going to stop his work. Doesn't mean the Lord was through in Israel because he died. No, the Lord would continue his work. Just like he did in the judges. As those judges died out and as Israel failed, God would put another judge in there. And another judge and another judge. All Joash had to do was shoot the arrow. And he had to have faith to shoot the arrow. Well, he does. He has the faith and he shoots the arrow out the window. Glad he opened it. And he shot the arrow out the window. We have freedom from sin and the bondage it brings. But we have to believe that it's true. We have to believe that we've been set free from the bondage of sin. We have to believe that we have been set through. Deliverance is in our grasp, but we must believe it. By faith, deliverance has been given to us, but what Christ did on a cross. We have to believe it. And though King Joash was not a man of faith, he could follow directions. So what was missing? He didn't have spiritual discernment. He was ignorant. He didn't have spiritual discernment. Spiritual discernment one gets by walking in faith, believing. What did Jesus say to Nicodemus? Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you are born again, you cannot have that spiritual discernment. We all have been given spiritual discernment by the Holy Spirit as we walk in the Lord. We all have that. Notice that Elisha placed his hands on the king's hand. It symbolized that he was conveying to Joash the power that was from God. He was giving Joash almost like an anointing from God by putting his hands on his hands, transferring some power over there. This is a big time for Joash. I'm really sorrowful at what happens at the end. This was a big time. And shooting arrows towards the area where the Syrians were speaks of the victory over them. And you can read that in Deuteronomy 32, 42, and Psalm 120, verse 4. You are a sure 
You've been listening to a teaching from the book of 2 Kings with Pastor Dave Shank on A Sure Hope. There's a theme that you notice throughout this book. A person's actions have consequences. In the case of the majority of kings in this book, it was evil actions that incurred negative consequences. Do you think God enjoys handing out consequences for sin? On the contrary, just as a parent would prefer willful obedience, God desires for people to seek after Him and follow what He says because it's best for them. When that isn't the case, it grieves him to put forth discipline, but it's always with a heart for people to come back to him for their good. If you missed any part of today's teaching or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit AsureHopeRadio.com. Perhaps as you were listening, you realized that you have some questions about what you heard. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. In addition to that, you're welcome to email us at info at capewatchradio.com with any questions, concerns, or prayer requests. Would you rather talk to us in person? Then think about joining us this Sunday for a time in God's Word at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Everything you need to know is on our website, assurehoperadio.com. Thank you again for taking time to learn from the book of 2 Kings today. We hope you'll join us again on Assure Hope. Oh